0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Questions. I'm here with Pastor Joel with Right Response Ministries. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I was curious what your shirt says. Oh, yeah. It says, uh, only the best dads have great beards. Oh, man. That's a, that's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a verse in the Bible. <laughs> that's uh, awesome.
1: Well, <laughs> we, Charles Spurgeon would be proud.
0: Yeah. Well, we have a good question today from Veronica. She says, our culture seems to have an endless amount of definitions for love, but how does the Bible define love? That's a good question, Veronica. So, um you're absolutely picking up on something
1: that's uh incredibly significant and uh important for the people of God to understand in our culture today because that's that's a reality. Um I think that that's probably just just a reality that's just universal for every culture, every time period, just all of humanity. Um this sense that everybody has this self-justifying tendency right, so like there are very few people in culture who are doing things that are immoral, evil, wicked, according to the law of god uh and and yet they're just completely oblivious well not, sorry, i should say blatantly, not oblivious but but blatantly aware, right they're aware of their wickedness, aware of their rebellion against what God has so clearly said. And they're just kind of sitting in a, in a, in a dark, you know, layer, you know, with their hands like, wah. Ha, ha, ha. that's just, that's just not really the case. Um, most of the time, the person who is doing something that is wicked has some kind of narrative, some kind of skewed standard to where they feel justified in doing that wicked thing. They They feel as though the wickedness that they are acting out is according to their understanding, actually righteous right? and, and that's how that's just the way it is that 's the way it is with our culture today. People um, who are not loving they are objectively being unloving according to god 's universal standard, his transcendent standard for what constitutes true love they're not loving and yet um They're not sitting there saying, yeah, I'm a really spiteful, hateful person. I'm a really unloving person and I just totally don't care. And I feel great about being, you know, maniacal and wicked. That's not the case. No, what they're doing is um, it's self-deceiving. It's self-justifying. What they're doing is they're just not viewing themselves with sober judgment because they're, they are ignoring God's standards. And so what they want to say, I'm not loving and I don't care. And they would say, no, I am loving. And they would just redefine love. So uh, let, let me look at a, a few biblical texts, right? Because that's really what we need. We need to biblically define love, right? So John three sixteen. right? We'll just start there. For God so loved the world, I gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but, um, but receive, inherit eternal love. Life, so uh, we see that God loved the world at the cost of giving His only Son, and we know that the implication of John three sixteen is that He gave His Son not just on on some kind of you know uh, field trip to Earth, but He He gave His Son unto death. He gave His Son as a sacrifice to die. All right, here's another biblical text: Ephesians chapter five, verse two. Um, let's let's just back up. We'll start with verse one: Ephesians chapter five. Uh, verse 1, the Bible says, therefore be imitators of God. Right? So you church, you Christians, you people of God, imitate God. Right? You want to be like God. We want to be formed, sanctified more and more into the image of, of God, the image of Christ. So therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. If you're the children of God, you should look like your heavenly father. Here it is, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There's the word again, sacrifice. He gave himself up, a sacrifice to God. Right, Christ was a sacrifice from God to God. Right? God, is, God is giving Jesus Christ as the, the biblical word, 1 John, uses it. Uh, as a propitiation propitiation is an atonement, a payment. so so the the atonement is being given by God. so it's offered from God by God, but it's being offered also to God. So God is putting forward payment in the form of his own son but he is who's he paying? right God's not putting Jesus forward to pay off the devil. Right. If if it was just if that was the problem that because of our sin Satan had us captive, that there's biblical truth in that. But if that was the only problem, well then God doesn't have to pay Satan. Right. Satan and God is not like Yin and Yang. They're they're not equals. God would just just utterly wipe Satan out, which He's promised to do, and then just take us back. Now the the problem is in the gospel, what had to be satisfied, what, what we had to ultimately be saved from, is not Satan, but the wrath of God. It's the wrath of God that we need to be saved from. So God is putting Jesus forward as a sacrifice, as a propitiation. And it's not just a propitiation, a sacrifice from God, but it's actually God giving a sacrifice to himself, Mm -hmm. right? To satisfy his own justice because God cannot pardon the sinner without compromising his justice, unless payment is made. So what we see in these texts and others, I'm not going to go to the other texts just for the sake of time, but we got John 3, 16, Ephesians 5, 2, also Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, also 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. All these biblical texts, we're, we're just, we're putting them together and forming a definition of love shaped in the image of God, right? Love as defined by God. So Veronica, Love, what we can see just from the two texts that I actually read, John 3.16 and Ephesians 5.2, we can see that at least one clear component of biblical love is that it is sacrificing. He gave himself. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He gave him unto Death. Ephesians 5 2, right? 5 1. Imitate God as beloved children. You're his children, so look like your father. Imitate your father. And how do you do that? Walk in love. In, in which way? The same way God loves, the way Christ loved us. And how did he do that? He gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice. God. So we can tell that biblical love, it can be nothing less. Now, I think it's a little bit more. Let me get to this in just one moment. But it certainly cannot be anything less than sacrificial. Biblical love, it is a love for others that comes at great cost to ourselves. Willing to prefer others even at the expense of our very own lives. So let me read. This is the definition of love that, that I think is so, so helpful. Gleaning this as a summation of multiple biblical texts. Biblical love is this, a self-sacrificing commitment to seeking the highest good of others in real practical ways. Let me say it one more time. Biblical love is this, it is a self-sacrificing commitment to seeking the highest good of others in real practical ways. So, Self-sacrificing component we've already seen in the scripture. What, what I want to emphasize now is the, the, the sense in which we're not just, we're not, it, it's not a vain sacrifice, right? It, it's it's not, um, it, it's, it, it's a sacrifice with purpose, right? We're not just, <laughs> it, it would be, it would be as though, just for the sake of an illustration, it would, it would be as though somebody walked into your home and, and, and they pointed a gun. At, at your wife and 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 they're pulling the trigger and you jump in front of the bullet, right? You sacrifice your very own life to take the bullet for your wife. Now that makes sense, right? That's self-sacrifice for the good of someone else, namely your wife, right? Well, however, if we change the illustration, if we tweak it a little bit and we say, yeah, somebody walks into the living room and they're pointing a gun and your wife's over here and they're pointing a gun way, 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 way to the side of her at the wall and pull the trigger and you jump in front of the bullet that's just that's just silly that's you know that's just that doesn't make any sense that's a, that's a sacrificing thing that's a that's a pointless sacrifice a futile sacrifice so biblical love we can see it. it's not just sacrifice but it's sacrifice for a reason it's sacrifice for the good of others and i think it's fair to say from multiple biblical texts we don't have time to show you all of this um, but i think it's fair to say that biblical love it's a self-sacrificing commitment for the good, right? Not a, not a vain sacrifice, a sacrifice without reason, but it, it is a calculated, purposeful sacrifice for the good of others, and, and not just that, but the highest good. Now, we need to answer this question. What's the highest good? Well, according to God, according to his standard, not, not that, because you're right, Veronica, you're picking up on something that is absolutely relevant in all human cultures but especially ours today just there's a million different definitions of love right you just i mean no matter just depending on who you talk to everybody's going to nobody's walking around saying yeah that's love and i'm just not doing it no everybody's going to say this is love and i'm and i'm loving by my standard and oh you know that person's loving by their standard and so yeah it's really really confusing we have to have a transcendent standard we have to have a universal standard an absolute standard and that only is provided for us in the word of god so real love Real love that that is unchanging, no matter what the culture is, no matter what time period, no matter where, when, how. Real love, it's a self-sacrificing commitment, and it is to the highest good. In the same way God gets to define love, God also gets to define what is, in fact, the highest good of others. And what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible would say that the highest good of others is an eternal good, not temporary, not just feeding somebody, right, by meeting their physical needs, but but then at the end of the day, not sharing the gospel with them so that their soul is eternally damned. That's not the highest good. So the highest good of others, according to God's word, God's standard, would have to be an eternal, a, a forever and an unending long-term good, right? Not just thinking about the here and now, the temporary, but the eternal. So the highest good of others, I'm going to define it like this. It is caring, is being committed even at great sacrifice to yourself for the highest good of others, which can be nothing less than their eternal salvation and their ongoing sanctification being formed more and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So, so what is it that we're trying to achieve as the highest good for others? Their salvation? That's their justification. And their sanctification more and more into the image of Christ, which means as we seek to love, right? We seek to to love others, to be committed to their highest good, even at great cost and sacrifice to ourselves. I think in real terms, what, what is that gonna mean? It means it means laying down our reputation, it means laying down our image, it means it means caring less for the approval of man. It, it means being willing to not be liked. Because you're willing to actually tell people not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. That, that's what a parent does when they love their children. They don't just give them french fries and pizza for every single meal. right? They give them vegetables. They give them fruit. They, get, they give a good parent that loves their children is committed not just to giving their child what they want. They're committed to giving their child what they need. And, and if we're going to say that we're Christians, right, and that, and that we value the Word of God, and that we are submitted to the Word of God, then we, we have to let God define what people need. Mm-hmm. We don't get to define what people need. Right. We have to def- we have to define it according to God's Word. So what do people need? They need salvation, and they need sanctification. They, they need the salvation of their soul, and they need to be shaped more and more into the image of the Son, which means we're going to have to preach the gospel. We're going to have to correct people for sin. And all that is sacrificial, mm-hmm. because all that will, many times, more often than not, it will come at great cost to our own reputation, our own approval ratings, um, our own comfort and convenience and all of that. So I think that's, that's a good biblical definition of love, and I hope that's helpful, Veronica.
0: Well, thank you, yeah. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Thank you, Veronica, for sending that question in. If you have a question that you'd like answered, just like Veronica sent in, um, write us on our website at rightresponseministries.com or any social media platform that you're watching us on in the comments section. We'd love to get to those on future programs. So we'll, we'll see you next time on questions. As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit slash offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book Am I Truly Saved. If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder to get this offer go to rightresponseministries.com/offer and thank you for your generous support.